0: Wait, sorry. Now we are recording. <laughs> okay. Hey, what's going on there everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak here alongside steven Trinkwald and today we are uh putting forth the second installment of our top 25 players of 25 years younger. Did I say that correctly?
1: 25 uh 25 and under. Yeah, I think that's good. Uh so Okay. Uh yeah, unlike some of our other ranking shows, you know, the, the bigs rankings or the wings rankings that we did last offseason or our top 10 players that we did uh, over the course of the season this is uh taking into account a little bit more projection you know who we would take moving forward who we would start a team with less so than kind of who is the best player right now or who will be the best player for the 2022 season specifically
0: and that of course means that we're going to be disagreeing on a lot so it's imperative that we uh, kind of keep track of of where we're ranking uh, each respective player um so things might get a little might get a little messy but that's okay um steven anything you'd like to kind of mention before we get started here
1: uh yeah so this we we based this off of um players who had not yet played their age 25 season per basketball reference as just an easy way to kind of stay consistent there and then i wanted to just go through some notable players uh graduating off this list that you know were included or some of these players i think we did not include last year on our 25 but uh kelsey mitchell jordan canada azara stevens Maisha heinz allen Kia Nurse, Bree Jones, Mercedes Russell, Monique Billings. Those are all players that will be entering their age 26 season uh, in the upcoming season. And then a couple players that, at least for me, were not in consideration for this list. Renaya Davis, you know, because she did not play at all. Last season, Jasmine Walker, you know, we really just didn't see enough, in my opinion, you know, not being too familiar with her college tape. And then Asia Durr, you know, I took her out of consideration, at least. I don't know if you have her on your list, Eric, but, you know, for kind of the same reason we removed Elena Don from our best players in the league midseason, you know, missing one season and missing two seasons, I think are kind of different beasts entirely when you're, you know, trying to extrapolate what to expect. And especially for Asia Durr, you know, at least as I can recall, the only long haul COVID recovery in, in major American sports, I, I believe. So, you know, you just really have no idea what to expect. of it. So we hope that she has a great season in 2022. But I, I thought it would be kind of unfair to try to project that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I didn't have her either. I mean, it's it'd be kind of weird if uh, one of us was including one player and the other wasn't. So, yeah, Asia Dur was not included. But uh, just seconding what you said, uh, wishing that Asia Durr, uh and she, I believe she has uh, been cleared to play basketball again. So that's amazing news. Hope to see her back on the court uh, shortly.
1: So let's get into it here. I broke my list into tiers, as I believe you did as well. Uh, so my first tier, uh, I kind of labeled this like MVP ballot caliber players, which had two players uh, in it leading off with the 2020 MVP, Asia Wilson. She was my number one player, 25 or under.
0: As was mine. I also did tiers, although it, it was mainly sorting uh, for Grouping and sorting purposes for me, because just taking a, a massive pool of players and then ranking them one through twenty-five is is difficult if you don't do something like that. Um, but she was my uh, in my tier, uh, my tier one, the Asia Wilson tier, because it had Asia Wilson in it, and she was alone in that tier. Honestly, um, I don't think we need to say that much about Asia Wilson, because it's been well documented how great of a player she is. Um, of course, like you said, the only player on this list to win MVP and routinely all WNBA. Uh, consideration, either first or second team, just can't really say enough positive things about Asia.
1: Yeah, two all WNBA seasons already. One first, one second, as you were saying. I do think there, you know, is a a higher level to unlock, even still with uh, Asia Wilson's game. Whether that be uh, moving over to center or just kind of playing for a coach who doesn't you know hate math or think there's some inherent toughness by taking a, a ton of long <laughs> twos Um and I think you know as currently constituted perhaps there is a ceiling on where Asia will end up you know from an efficiency standpoint but you know clearly one of the best players in the league already uh, having yet to play her age 25 season but I guess this is a good point for me to transition to the other player that I had in this list who I think in my opinion you know belongs in the same tier as someone who you know, will, I think, show up on the lower end of MVP ballots for a long time, and that's Nafisa Collier. Granted, coming off, I think, easily her worst season in the WNBA pretty significantly, but I don't really feel any worse about her as a player than I did, you know, this time a year ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, she had a rough year, uh, particularly, uh, I believe she had nagging plantar fasciitis, which is a real, it's it's a real son of a gun. You know, it's, it's a tough injury to really... Um, get rid of completely. So, I mean, you could you could tell in the way she played, you know, she didn't have much lift on her jumper. Uh, the finishing, you know, I mean, she was still a pretty good finisher, but a, a lot of it just wasn't, she was kind of missing that burst, it, it looked like, and she wasn't even making as big of a defensive impact on that side of the ball, which we're used to excellence defensively from Nafisa Collier. But yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't really knock her for a poor season by her standards because of that. Um, because, I mean, she's, you don't really see much that was I don't really see much um, to give me concern aside from the injury. Uh, I ranked her number three, whereas I had her second last year. So there is a player in between her and Wilson for me, which you might be able to guess who it is. But yeah, I couldn't really ding uh, Collier that much for basically playing through a a tough injury.
1: Well, I'm going to go ahead and take a wild guess uh, that your number two player is my number three player. Leading off, uh, what I had as all league caliber players, this is a four-player tier for me. I, w- I wonder kind of how many players are in this grouping for you, but the player that I had six last year, and I think that you had third last year, Eric uh, Satu Sabali, is that who you have in between these two players?
0: That is absolutely correct, Stephen. Sabali, I think I've been higher on her than you, like ever since she came into the league, and I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm finally being vindicated a, a, a tiny bit. I still think she's she's uh, a little bit below Asia Wilson as far like and and this is where the potential is separated from the body of work i I know we didn't really do this from a perspective of you know how much have they accomplished in the wnba right now i do think sabli but but it matters some right it does it does matter some and that's that's what i'm saying like asia wilson has years and years of evidence supporting her being a really freaking good wnba player sabli is just coming into her own recently right but at the same time i mean I, i think she still has a world of potential Particularly um, on defense, I think she really improved defensively a lot last year, just in the amount of ground she covers. I mean, she just glides across the court for a player of her size. And then you have all the stuff that I've talked about uh, a thousand times already, which is, you know, ambidextrous ball handling, the ambidextrous passing, um, the developing outside shot which i think it was a little better last season than it was as, as a rookie but uh
1: well eric she, not not just uh a little better 97th percentile in pick and pops 100th percentile on no dribble jumpers in those plays. Okay, that's pretty good. so <laughs> pretty impressive i would say that's
0: pretty good and that's and you know jumpers i feel like that's something that could uh be subject to a little bit of variance especially considering she was so bad at it her rookie season so the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle right but it's clear that she's gotten better at it you know
1: you know, you you did mention her her ambidextrousness, uh, if that is a word. I would like to see, despite her, you know, shooting with her left hand. I would like to see a little bit more kind of off the bounce from her left hand. She really is right hand dominant with the drive, and it's very effective. And she has a, a nice strong power drive, and she's able to finish on a lot of those. But, you know, for someone who takes their jump shot with their left hand, you you rarely see any hard left drives or finishes with the left hand, um, which I think. You know, defenses perhaps have not come around all that well to it, uh, you know, with a lack of uh, five game series may, may be a, a part of that. And you just, you know, see a player with their left shooting jump shots with their left hand. So you think, oh, this player is going to, you know, take me off the bounce with the left hand. Um, so I, I wonder kind of how that will continue to evolve. But yeah, I mean, the, the promise as a, a playmaker, you know a kind of high turnover number but still some really really promising passes uh some ambitious passes that are you know it's not just kind of you know swinging side to side or something like that you know she's right. she's making the the bounce pass on the back door she's driving and kicking um she, she's really doing everything that you kind of want a player of her skill set to do you know she's not a Candace Parker level passer as a big but you can see her use her advantage to create advantages for her teammates. And really, you know, that's all you can ask for from from a player of her skill set. So I don't know really if if you are going to see her get quite to a number one option on a really, really good team, but I I definitely think it's possible. And she's so high in this list for me because, you know, she's at worst going to be, you know, I think she's already Dallas's best player, um, has has potential to grow even more. Uh, You know, one other thing that just stood out to me is, fourth percentile in transition efficiency and um, only 23 possessions in transition compared to 200 in the half court like Saboli to me seems like a player that should should thrive in transition and get out in the open court more so I wonder if that's a a coaching focus or just something that Saboli does not really feel all too comfortable with but definitely an element of her, her game I'd like to see expanded as she grows. That's a really good point i
0: wonder if uh synergy has statistics for uh fenerbahce you know playing over in turkey but uh you know i think you mentioned one thing right there that uh I, I would like to kind of give a plus one to and that's um you said using her advantages the thing i like most about sabli at least as far as a potential perspective is she's one of those players that has a lot of positional versatility. But it's all positional versatility that you take advantage of rather than cover for. You know, it, you know that term like tweener is kind of used as like a derogatory term. I mean, she can play the five, she can play the four, she can play the three, and she's going to give you some sort of advantage at each of those positions. Whereas other players, you might say, well, you play her in this instance, you you play her there in a different instance. It de- depends on lineups. No, Sabli is a player. You force your advantage with Sabli, no matter what she what position she's playing at, and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the world is her oyster as, as far as individual development goes. So I'm really excited to see what she has for us in uh, year three.
1: Okay, so we are all pretty much trued up through our first three players. Who do you have next year, Eric? This is kind of I think where it might get interesting.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to get interesting here. And I had to go with maybe I did things a little bit differently. In fact, I know I did. Um, I actually had Ariel Atkins at number four, and this is this is a bit of a departure because we have here we have a player who has long since established herself as. A very consistent and steady and reliable player, who may not have the ceiling as uh, as I have a ceiling as the previous players mentioned, but in my case, I was comfortable taking the sure thing over everyone else's ceiling below this player. So I had her eighth on my list last year, and here I have her fourth. uh, Maybe a little bit different, but because we saw her in a little, little bit of a different role in twenty twenty one, Um, it, it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Stephen, you know, I, I think we both had questions about her being. Uh, more of an on-ball player, more of a putting the ball in her hands more often. And given Washington's uh, lousy luck in 2021, Atkins was kind of forced into that. And, you know, her efficiency took a little bit of a hit, as as you would expect. But the rest of it, I mean, is still classic Ariel Atkins. She's on the short list of legitimate 3 and D players in the WNBA. Um, she's a really high IQ basketball player. And, and let player. me just say,
1: being, being Elite 3 and Elite D, you know, it's not just yeah. kind of your... Pretty good three point shooter, and you really bring the defense, or or vice versa. You know she's she's elite in both of those categories. I'll say.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think it's any coincidence that she's been an on off darling in in basically every season, regardless of her role. Uh, But by that I mean, you know, her her on off. The Mystics are always better with her on the court, no matter what her role is, no matter what the rest of the team around her looks like. And I think there is something to that. And I mean her. Steel's metrics are just hilariously consistent. Her first three seasons, she had a 3.1 Steel percentage in each of those seasons, and then is a little bit down 2.7% last season. But she's basically a lot to finish in the top 10 every year in both Steel rate and Steel volume. So um, not everything, obviously, but it does kind of quantify her regular excellence on defense. So like I said, I mean, maybe not a super exciting player as far as a top 25 list of, of young players players full of potential but like i said i can't pass up you know what i already know what i know she's already really good at and that is a lot of things
1: so i was a little bit lower on atkins than you were i actually had her in she was the first player in my next tier. I had her at number seven, uh, the same spot that I had her last year. Uh, I called that tier Plenty of All-Star Games, and I think Ariel Atkins will play in Plenty of All-Star Games. Okay, uh, But she definitely had the lowest upside of any player in my top 10. But she's just such a valuable player, even if like she's already hit her ceiling, right? She could be a starter on pretty much any team with championship contention, playing either the two or the three. But I do think that you know we saw in 2021 that an increase in playmaking responsibility, you know, that's going to lead to just kind of a lot of long non-paint twos and not really kind of drive efficient off, you know, the, that next level, I guess, of kind of offensive uh, uh, initiating wasn't really there for Ariel Atkins. You know, she can pass a little bit, but she's not great at it. Um, She can get to the basket a little bit, but she's not great at it. So I have her still ahead of some really good players uh, and some, you know, one player that has made some all W NBA teams here, but Um, I think I I just bet on the upside of a couple players a little bit more than than I did for Atkins here. Okay, so who do you have at number four? So number four, I have uh, Sabrina Unescu, a player with an up and down season for sure. But I think Sabrina Unescu is really good. You know, Uh, she. I agree was not a plus defender she turned it over a ton in her first season especially you know in transition that 31 percent turnover rate in transition is just a horrendous horrendous number you know I appreciate the ambitiousness of some of those passes the touchdown passes uh, and it led to some good things but you know when you are a point guard who assists a ton of baskets and you're still only the 51st percentile overall with your assists uh, in terms of kind of transition efficiency that's not very good, but, you know, she's the true value-added passer, right? She's not someone who's, I mean, I, I didn't even know. Like, she's probably one of the handful of best passers in the league already, I would say, in terms yeah. of uh, the accuracy of the pass, um, the the ambitiousness, like, like I said. And then, you know, you'd like to see the shooting numbers increase a little bit, you know, 33.5% on her threes if you uh, kind of take away her heaves there which is, you know, slightly above average, but not really at this point a plus shooter. But, you know, she shoot, she shoots such an easy ball. You, you see that number kind of going up in time. And we did see her improvement in her ability to get to and finish at the rim as the season went on. You know, that Seattle game comes to mind, specifically the one in Seattle. Uh, she played great in the final regular season game against Washington to get them into the playoffs. So, you know, when Sabrina was good, this Liberty team was good and you know, when, when she struggled, uh, you know, they just didn't have that, that kind of second option after uh, Benajeleni, but Sh- Sabrina in her, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, she's played what a full season. Now she's played 32 games or so. So, you know, after her first kind of full season worth of games and minutes um, she, she's shown enough for me to have her pretty high on this list.
0: I have UNESCO fifth. So we're not far off there. Um I think, her expectations coming out of college, as well as the uh, the general Twitter discourse, uh, has kind of they both kind of skewed UNESCO's pro career uh, thus far in the other direction. As far as she's a bust, she's a disappointment. No, no. Yeah, we, we've
1: overcorrected a little bit too much on Sabrina UNESCO.
0: Yes, that's a good that's that's a good word for it overcorrection. Because the fact of the matter is, it's very rare to see a point guard come in and be immediately successful in the WNBA actually there, there's there's one later on the list who kind of went in the opposite direction but we can talk about that when the time comes um, everything from UNESCO that she's kind of struggled with like it's not really surprising I don't think speed of the game, physicality of the game I mean that's that's something like I said every every lead guard is going to struggle with that right away because it's just not something they're used to and I think UNESCO in particular she's got she kind of lacks burst, if you will. And in order to kind of compensate for that, you know, I, as a Sky fan, you know, I've, I've watched the development of, of Courtney Vandersloot over the years. It took Vandersloot a, a few seasons to really add the extra muscle mass to not really get bodied, to, you know, um, not, get, not get pushed off for spots, not get bullied with the basketball or whatever. And, you know, UNESCO is, is, is kind of the same in that I feel she does need to add that extra 5 to 10 pounds of muscle maybe. And until she does that, you're going to see that lack of burst really get taken advantage of. But to what you were saying about her um, her passing ability, there are things that UNESCO does with the basketball that I'm not sure that there are only a handful of WMA players who can match that. As far as you know, court vision and really putting very um, high risk passes just on the money. Uh, she's definitely a ceiling raiser for this team. And she's a player who you can construct an entire offense around. So yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there.
1: So the next player I have here, uh, I, I want to make sure we kind of talk about at the same time as Sabrina because I feel like they are they're inextricably linked, right? And that is uh, my number five player here, Kennedy Carter, who okay. you know her season got cut short for her for non-basketball reasons, let's say. But this to me, these two players, you know, number four and five for me were probably the the closest any two players were on this list. I I think I initially even had Carter ahead of Sabrina for a while here, but certain things that, that Carter, even in her limited minutes, and, and I'm trying not to hold, you know, the non-basketball stuff against her too much, but you know, she did only play 280 minutes. So she, she yeah. didn't give us too much film here. But the one thing you were kind of hoping to see from Carter, uh, after such a promising rookie season is okay. There, she's playing alongside a lot more talent now with Hayes in a full season of Courtney Williams, but really no progress as a shooter whatsoever only one of nine for the entire season again only 280 minutes but but still one of nine from three two catch and shoot attempts all season you know she just didn't really even look to add that element of her game I think she was in the tenth percentile in dribble jumpers so yeah she's a player that you know maybe the best guard in the league really in being able to kind of just get by her defender get right to the basket finish at the basket no matter where she is on the court but i guess what i what i have less confidence in now is if she doesn't get to her ceiling which i think is probably even higher than Sabrina's honestly but if she doesn't get to that ceiling if if she could be the second best offensive player on a really good offense. Like, I still think that she can be the best player on a good offense, but if she doesn't hit that, you know, if she's playing alongside another great wing player, you know, let's say like a, a Laney, who she, she did play with, but it was kind of a different version of, of Laney, uh, you know, can she be as valuable, you know, because she's not providing the floor spacing and the off-ball shooting that a Sabrina Unescu could? And I do think that it's just more valuable to kind of have an A-level second best player than like a B-plus level best player. So I just, you know, even though I, I have faith that Carter can get there, if she doesn't hit that absolute ceiling, like what does that look like?
0: Okay, a lot of good points there. Uh, I'm a tiny bit lower on Carter. I, I, I ranked her seventh, but I definitely agree. There was some there was some shuffling around there as far as decision-making um, between the five through seven players for me. But Carter, I mean, I agree there's not a lot that's really changed my mind about her relative to the last time we did this exercise. I full disclaimer, I did not take any potential off court issues into account here. So I'm just looking at who she is as a player. Same here. And I, I do think that, you know, I mean, she's still an all-star level talent and she's, you know, undoubtedly extremely skilled off the bounce, a really good playmaker for others. You know, I think she's kind of got the, the rap as a, as like a ball hog or a ball stopper. Um, and whether, whether or not that that may be true, she can still definitely create offense for her teammates as well. So it is, it, it does go back to what you were saying about the off ball ability. And that's something that I have much more confidence in UNESCO and the next player on, on my list, uh, for that matter, than I do with Carter. Because you're right. I mean, she she's not really a player you guard that much without the basketball. And it is interesting you, that you bring up can she be the, the best player or the second best player on a good team? We think she could be the First best player on a good team, but how is she coexisting with with another really ball dominant player? And let's be honest, say not say a lot...
1: Jew Lloyd for example.
0: Okay, all right, that's good. Yeah, that's that's a great example. Um, Jew Lloyd can play with her without the basketball. Carter can play with the basketball, but how is she coexisting with another alpha wing? So yeah, I think I think you uh, hit the nail on the head there. So let's be honest, like not a lot went right in Atlanta last season. So I'm kind of willing to punt this a little bit, but. For the next time we do this exercise, I, I'm going to need to see um, a little more of improvement from Carter and just more within w- within the context of the team itself, you know?
1: And I should say, just before we move on, that I had Carter fourth on my list last year, and I have her fifth this year uh, with Sabrina kind of sneaking. I around. heard her fifth. Like, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I think, have you done one through five? Because I have done one through five. I have. I'll go
0: on to six, um, and this is another player who is, as you said, um, linked to the previously mentioned players, I had Ariki Gunbowale at number six. And this is one I kind of waffled on a little bit because it seems like she's kind of been a lightning rod for criticism recently, and we are not excluded from that. Um, I was kind of wondering, like, am I underrating her? Am I overrating her? Uh, She's got clear flaws in her game. Um, Defense in particular, uh, stopping the basketball, poor shot selection, and they haven't really gone away since her rookie season. I, I don't think she's really improved that much as a player but at the same time she's still undoubtedly one of the most ex- explosive scorers in the WNBA. There are only a handful of players I think who you can just set a pick for and just let them and just sit back and let them do stuff with it and Ngokuwale is one of those players. Um and I looked at the at the synergy numbers and I found a couple of interesting things. She was second in all of the WNBA in total isolation uh isolation possessions and jumpers off the dribble which, you know, not great. But to be fair, her teammate Marina Mabry was actually um, fourth in jumpers off the dribble. So that kind of suggests that maybe a little bit of a coaching thing or a culture thing down in Dallas. But she was actually first in total transition possessions, which is good. Granted, she wasn't... That so, something
1: down. we were not seeing under Brian Agler.
0: Yes, yes. So if, 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 you, if you're if not the Wings coaching for letting them... Isolate and shoot a ton of bad shots off the dribble. You gotta, you gotta give them credit for you know getting Riki out in transition as well. So, I mean, I think you know there, there's a lot of give and take here for Ogunbowale, but I just cannot rank her any lower because of the potential and uh, because of the, the star level potential rather. And once again, her versus Carter, I gotta go back to the out to off ball activity. You know, Ogunbowale is great with the ball in her hands, but she's also a threat without the ball in her hands. In fact, I would actually like to see the wings uh, improve her her um, her catch and shoot volume from from three because she is a deadly shooter from out there when she's not stopping the ball and, and kind of dancing her out there uh, off the dribble. So yeah, Arike, a good boy at number six for me.
1: Okay, last year I had Arike at five. I have her eight this year. And this, you know, who I had at six and who I had at, you know, above Arike at number eight, if we had any kind of listenership, this is probably where I would get roasted. But oh God. Um, yeah, I, I guess for Arike, just the fact that, you know, we didn't really see any major strides in the areas that we were hoping to see strides the defense is one thing you know just kind of being a, a, a at least having a, I shouldn't say she's a terrible defensive player but she had a terrible defensive season for the wings last year and just kind of her almost improbable year over year statistical consistency um, I, I'm just kind of left to conclude that she isn't really adding any new elements to her game. She's just kind of slightly getting better at how she's already played. So that's, that's very valuable, but I don't know like how much, if there's not kind of changes in what she's willing to do, just kind of how much she's working on those things. I don't know how much up, more upside there is to this player, uh, if that makes sense.
0: That makes sense, but we just made that same argument for Kennedy Carter as well. So I mean, I, I don't think it's. it's but I think theory. Kennedy
1: Carter's better. You know, I think she can okay. she can be more efficient in doing what she's doing. You know, I think she, she. I think I just have more faith in Carter being the the best offensive player on a really good offense than I do Arike Gumboale.
0: Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, Gumboale has had plenty of opportunity to be that player, and we just haven't seen it yet. So okay, fair enough.
1: So for number six, uh, this is. I think what you could it call you get roasted for. Yeah, this is, and I okay. think this is what you could call a reach. Um, but I had a walk queer who okay. obviously was not eligible for this list last year, but, uh, she would be going into her age 20 season. And, and this is a flashes choice, right? This is kind of an upside exercise and at a walks age with a walk statistical resume, you know, it, it is kind of all about flashes and skill set and projecting a walk was not a good WNBA player last year right she probably won't even be a good WNBA player next season but the things that you can kind of see in the works that the the, the skill set the potential are honestly if we were just going off potential if we were just going off the highest possible ceiling a walk would probably be even higher on this list I agree. um but that being said you know there are major major areas of improvement that we need to see you know improved conditioning from her last WNBA season improved strength improved ball handling but you know she has shown the ability to defend on the perimeter and defend in space and defend uh, at the rim. You know, she has a great catch radius, not just on passes, but also on rebounding. Her, Her physical size, she uses... Well, in some areas, not so well in others, of course, but she uses her size really well as a passer, I think, passing over the top and cross court, at least uh, internationally, as as highlighted by Robert Mummery recently on an article for her hoop stats, I thought was really great. But even watching those games uh, after reading that article, you could see a lot of vision there as a passer and and her ability to kind of take advantage of her size. And, you know, she, I think her in-between game, you know, the the mid-range kind of pull-up game. a a big work in progress. We'll need to see some improvement there, but, you know, just what the the potential as a monster help defender and switching out into the perimeter and her wing size, I mean, her wingspan, her athleticism, you know, there's not a lot of wings and guards that I think, you know, she she can play back against most of those wings and guards and and give them enough space to not get blown by, but still get a really good contest because, you know, of her quickness and her wingspan. Uh, So if she just gets a little bit stronger uh you know a little bit more comfortable maybe a little bit better footwork on some of those jump shots there's there's just so much room for this player to become you know an overused term but but a true unicorn in the league
0: okay so first of all I agree um she is a a unicorn I mean she's a big with guard skills and 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 a a kind of a um and guard movement so I mean it's it's easy to see why she was such a tantalizing um uh, pick at, at number two overall and and why many people, uh, I think myself included, were saying, "No, I, you might want to take her at number one." But I digress. I query, you know, I didn't have her as high as you because she had a grand total of sixty-three total possessions as a rookie, and that's just not enough, not enough evidence for me. But I mean, I agree. She is oozing with potential, and she's really like the kind of player who, wh- whichever coaching staff gets its hands on her, they can kind of make her be whatever they want. I mean, the it's it's just fascinating to see. Um, what's what's in her bag already and and what she could potentially grow grow into. So, yeah, um really really excited to see what uh, a Queer turns into.
1: Where, where did you end up having her?
0: I had her at her at 11th. Like I said, I, I think um I agree with you, she wasn't really good as a rookie. In fact, she was pretty pretty bad as a rookie, but it is it, 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 I couldn't put her any lower because I mean the the ceiling is just like what ceiling? I don't even know how to evaluate that right now. I mean, she's like I said while there's not much evidence of her being a good WMA player yet, um, I have no doubt that she'll get there. And it's really hard, honestly, to see her not becoming a, a good WMA player, for me anyway, because of pretty much everything you mentioned about, you know, she, she moves so fluidly. She's already got a lot of skill for a player of her size. And you can see it just being put together in each game she played. And in each in each game, she plays overseas as well.
1: So I am through players one through eight, as well as my first, I think, three tiers here who's the, the highest ranked player that we haven't gone through for you?
0: Okay. I'm at number eight. I had Tierra McCowan, and this is um kind of veering off course for me. Wow. Last year I had her, yeah, last year I had her at 22nd, but I think this in, this is just kind of a change of priorities for me. Um, Like I, okay. Her defensive struggles are well-documented and I'm not sure if they'll ever change because I think she's just not very that I think she's just not very coordinated. So like that's, that's things. And there's a lot that has to be corrected there. But she is an elite rebounder who's going to generate a ton of points like just from offensive rebounding alone. According to Synergy, she led the WNBA in offensive rebound putback possessions um, by a healthy margin. She had 92 of them. Breonna Jones was second with 64. So that just gives you an idea. That just puts into perspective how much offense uh, McCown was generating just off of offensive rebounding. Um, And then I think because of that, like her quote-unquote bag isn't that big of a deal. Like like you could say, she doesn't really have that many post moves. Well, okay. But I mean, she's still hitting the, grass, the glass like crazy and, and, and generating a lot of points down there. And she's remaining one of the best centers in the league or one of the best players in the league, rather, at getting fouled. She's got a career free throw rate of 0.553, which is really, really, really good. So
1: and, the free throw rate... And not even just the free throws, Eric, 9.7 falls drawn per 100 possessions. Oh yeah, like even that, even if that was the, the, the highest court. number in the league.
0: That's a, that's a good grab there. Even if it's just on the floor, I mean, she's gonna, she's gonna get people into foul trouble. Even players of her size, you know, I, I think part of the reason why I'm I'm higher on McCown than I was previously, and this is something that I'll I'll say about other players as well. But she she's six foot seven, six foot eight. She plays like it. You know, she has not shying away from contact. She is getting after the basketball. She's getting she's hitting the glass hard. Pretty much every like she knows her role and she's she just does it. You know, I mean, I think she's also improved a little bit at defending without fouling. The numbers don't really bear that out, but I could see some, a lot of plays this year where a guard would get in the paint and she'd just stay vertical, you know, where, where previous seasons she might reach in and commit a foul or, or, or go for the block on the pump fake. And she, whereas this past season, she just stay vertical. I think she's still pretty raw there. And I think like, if this makes sense, I don't know if the footwork will ever, will ever improve, but I think the verticality will continue, continue to improve. And seeing as how offensive rebounding and free throw rate actually fouls drawn, as you said, are such a big deal. That's why I have Tier McCowan at number eight.
1: So I had Tier McCowan. She was a big riser for me as well. She, she was 19th for me last year when we did this. Uh, she was number 14 for me this year. She was okay. the first of three players in a tier that I kind of said, like, can these bigs be starters? And, you know, it is the Tierra McCowan things, right? Like, we see the poor footwork defensively. You know, one thing about her her footwork, she she just can't really get it right. She overcorrects so much that she really just kind of opens to this very wide stance where she almost makes herself, like, perpendicular with the rim and gives this ball handler like an unnaturally easy lane to to get to the, uh, the rim. But her offensive effectiveness, I mean, what would her numbers look like if she even had two good passers on her team at a given time. You know, there are so many times where she just has someone pinned underneath the goal and and just can't get the ball to her because, you know, this is the Indiana Fever and and they are not very good. Um, and the, the funny thing about her offensive rebounding, Eric, is she was down from 18% last year to 15% and still good for number one in the league. What a slacker. <laughs> so, so even when she's like having not as good of a season, you know, she's still the best doing it really in in terms of she does kind of, and we were saying this kind of in our, our free agency piece, because she's such a dominant rebounder. She's a good offensive or she's a good total defensive, offensive rebounding team just by herself, uh, that, that you can afford to kind of do some different things at the four, you know, whether it's Vivian's or we were talking about Nia coffee, you know, you can afford to be a little bit lighter, smaller, more athletic and not kind of worry about having to get killed on the, uh, at the basket or, or on the uh, glass or something like that. So I had a hard time going higher than 14th just because, you know, what does this player really look like guarding, you know, Skylar diggins Smith in a five game series? You know what I mean? Like, what does that pick and roll defense really look like? Is it, is it ever going to get to even passable, but
0: she's only going to play 20 minutes a game. Because,
1: yeah. Yeah. At, at, at worst, you know, she is just a dominant big off the bench who's gonna you know the offensive numbers will almost always look better when she's out there because she's just so good at the things that she does well
0: also she basically never gets out in transition but for for her I don't really care um okay where are you at now
1: so I am uh, at number nine uh, a tier that I called extremely good complimentary players of which I have five players leading off with number nine who was 12th on my list last year uh and this was one that I, I really had a hard time kind of figuring out where I was going to place her. I think I had a little bit higher to begin with, but this is where I had pre Turner. Is this close for you? Were you, I I would be surprised if I was higher on Turner than you, but it seems like maybe I was.
0: Um, You are actually. And I think I made it, maybe had a little bit of a change of harder. Don't get me wrong. I love Brianna Turner as a player. I think with her, it's kind of interesting to discuss her on a list like this because it almost seems like she's a finished product. I mean, maybe that's a little extreme, but I mean, she's a really, really good defensive player and not such a great offensive player. And I don't really see either of those things changing. I, I think offensively, like it, it's interesting because I think she does a couple things offensively very well that are underrated, particularly her lob capability. I mean, that's that takes a lot more um, coordination and, and, and good hands and catch radius and all that good stuff that doesn't really show up in the box score. It, it's it's really telling that Brianna Turner is, is the player who I'm pretty sure she completes the most lob attempts. I don't know where you'd be able to find this data, but how many other players are consistently finishing lobs like, like Turner does? Not many. No, Nobody does it like Turner does it. No, nobody does it. So I, th- I think that's that's a legitimate skill, right? Um, but everything else, I mean, we just saw in the finals, she just got completely schemed out of the game. Um, Chicago took her weaknesses and basically held them over the Mercury's head and said, okay, compensate for it. And Phoenix wasn't able to. So, I I mean, I think Brianna Turner is awesome. I would love to have her on my team. But I'm wondering, like, what, like you you like to say the optionality of Phoenix Mercury. I think she really limits the optionality of the team that she's playing on, or at least the lineup that she's playing in, if that makes sense.
1: And the tough thing is, is that, you know, she is a four defensively. I think her best work defensively is just kind of like shutting down the other team's really great power forward. Um, Mm -hmm. But but she's a five on offense. You know, she can't really play next to another center. She can't, I, I think... Like like we said, her her lob ability is really unique, and we would love to kind of see more of that. You know how how productive she would be just as like a full time center in a spread pick and roll. You know playing with Skylar Diggins Smith as a point guard or or VanderSlute or someone that could really kind of utilize their passing to give her easy looks at the rim. But how how would she hold up defensively like that? Can she play center full time against the bigger centers and and you know, handle that responsibility that comes with being, you know, the center in a WNBA. Uh, I don't know that she can't do it, but we, we haven't seen it. So, um, it's interesting that, you know, after that offensive explosion against Vegas, where she was really able to capitalize a lot there, she probably had four in that game alone. She was really a resounding negative offensively for the rest of the playoffs. And Phoenix was able to finish out that series, uh, despite that and, and make it a somewhat competitive WNBA finals against Chicago. But, you know, anything other than just catch and lay up or catch in the air and, and finish the lob, you know, if she has to take a dribble or, uh, you know, their offensive game plan of kind of having her camp out at the the free throw line is such a disaster because even just one or two moves off the bounce, you know, it, it turns into a turnover or just a no chance uh, kind of prayer of a shot. And the other thing is that she can't really make her free throws, you know, under 70% for her career. Um, so this was a tough one for me. I, I am kind of feeling that I do have her a little bit too high.
0: I was going to say, so why you rank her number nine?
1: Well, just because, you know, she did limit Asia to under 40% true shooting in, in yeah, that's the really playoffs. Cool. You know, she we've seen her play really great defense against some of the best players in the league uh, because of her ability to just really lock down one-on-one. Um, and I mean, it's pretty much her and John Jones that can kind of defend Asia Wilson the way that she can. Uh, and this team is just such a train wreck anytime that Bree Turner sits defensively. So I would love to see kind of what it looks like not playing alongside Griner, maybe playing alongside, you know, playing at center and, and next to him, more uh, spaced out for or, or just someone that you know is more of a face-up player, or something like that. Where you know Griner is maybe the best offensive player in the league, but she's a back-to-the-basket player. So Turner is, you know, despite all of Griner's gifts, they're they're not a very congruous pair. Despite you know them making the the WNBA Finals and and working probably as best as it can that, that the two of them you know playing together.
0: Uh, what did you call this tier again? I thought that was inter- an interesting name.
1: Uh, extremely good complementary players. <laughs>
0: extremely good complimentary players okay um so my number nine this is i think the biggest riser of them all uh is ezzy magregor i i think she showed a lot last season I, I have one big question about her but i think there's no doubt that she's an extremely minute or an extremely an extremely effective per minute player who i could see having a, a breakout season next year depending on uh where mercedes russell goes i looked and these two things really stood out to me um in 2020 she was 7th in offensive rebounding percentage and 4th in block percentage. In 2021 she was 4th in offensive re- rebounding percentage and 3rd in block percentage. So again, those are two things that you really really want from your your bigs and those don't seem to be going away for for Ezzie. I think she's only improving as a player. Her efficiency was a little bit down, but you know, she is kind of trying out that three-point shot and if she if she gets that down, I know that's kind of a big if for a lot of players but i think there's something there to that she's already so long and so energetic she's really going to be a handful she's really going to be a handful off the bench i think she's an extremely effective bench player and her strengths are such that you can kind of incorporate her into almost any lineup as like as 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 they're five you can be like okay as he is going to benefit this lineup either with her her off-ball defense or with her energy or with her offensive rebounding or or whatever um the only thing that kept her from being even higher on my list, actually, is just the volume, you know. And that's the one question I have about her: Can she handle starter level minutes over the course of a season? I think she's still a little bit slight. I think she still needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, you know, you, you saw last season those early those early season matchups against Liz Cambage. I mean, she was just getting she was just getting put in the goal, as you like to say, basically every time down the court. Um, I don't think she's she's, she's never going to be like Sylvia Fowles strong, but she does need to add strength. Uh, but once she does that i mean i think Ezie magrigger is going to be a a terrific pick
1: yeah i'm not 100% sure cuz i didn't do all the math but i th- she might be the biggest riser on my board i have her one spot behind you at number 10 she was 23rd for me last year um i do think that you know I've, i think i've come to the conclusion that she is just a straight five you know i don't think the power forward lineups really yeah. work for her i do have some pretty big questions about Ezie magrigger though one you know is the shooting going to come around? You know, nine threes is such a weird number to take for me, though. Like, it's high enough to let me know that you're comfortable taking them. So why isn't it like so a why little aren't you bit... Taking them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one thing is, you know, the the smart teams and the smart players, you know, Candace Parker, for example, they just they don't guard her out there, um, which it's nice to stand out there. But if you're not getting guarded, you know, it's not really doing much. She does need to, I think, defend without fouling a little bit more consistency consistently. Excuse me. Five fouls per 36 minutes is uh, a bit of a high number. And then, you know, just the finishing at the rim was Not great. 60% in the restricted area for the types of shots that she's taking. That number should be higher. You know, I think Mercedes Russell, for example, was in like the mid 70s because she's, you know, she is not, you know, posting up. She's not kind of creating back to the basket. It's all sort of, you know, just kind of finishing plays to transition to the positive a really, really impressive transition. Big 17% of her possessions coming in transition. And in the 83rd percentile in efficiency, uh, she is a player that in the open court is absolutely kind of taking advantage uh, of her athleticism. So I would, I would like to see, uh, and and just like a walk has, she just has a great catch radius. You know, you can kind of really throw it up there and she's going to, she has soft hands. She's going to be able to finish uh, or, or make the catch. I should say, you know, she might, Missed the layup after that. But I think that will improve over time. If it doesn't improve, you know, this player is going to drop pretty significantly. Uh, and the other thing is she didn't hit a single three as a pick and pop player, uh, just one for seven overall in, in pick and pop. And that one coming from two. So, you know, 55th percentile as a roller on, on very limited possessions. So the upside is there. I, obviously, I, I have her number 10, but we've seen enough of a sample that I think you can be concerned about, you know, why the finishing around the rim isn't higher. That's a very
0: fair point. I almost feel like a lot of those finishes are just her being a little too wild underneath the rim, but but we shall see.
1: All right. So this one much, much longer than we had initially anticipated. So we we're going to call this part one and release the rest of this recording as a part two next week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Google podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at double down WNBA. You can follow Eric at Nimchock E. You can follow myself at Trinkwald and you can catch part two of this 25 players 25 and under, next week. Thank you all so much.